This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. May 1st is the deadline for many college-bound seniors to make their choice. Lynn will share really relevant advice from her perspective of watching adolescent clients launch to college over the last several decades. We answer a listener question in response to the most recent episode on the toxicity of the achievement culture. If you haven't heard it yet, I suggest you stop and listen to that first episode of season three on anxiety and good grades. Lynn offers parents advice for kids of all ages today. Welcome to Fluster Clucks, where we talk worry and other big feelings with Lynn Lyons. You're here because your family has some anxiety issues or you want to prevent them. I'm your co-host and Lynn's sister-in-law, Robin, and I'm here to ask your questions. And hi, I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I will help you find your way. Lynn, now that the podcast has been out for almost a year, which is really exciting, and we've had more than 50 episodes, I'm noticing a pattern of some of the listener questions and the comments people are sending to us through the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. I had one mom say, okay, I've been listening now, and I realize I have been doing it all wrong, and I have contributed to my kids' anxiety, and I want to do better now, and I don't really know where to start. Mm -hmm. And I'm very heartened. I'm sure that's like the great moment for you when you have clients and families come in where they know that they need to change. But I bet there is a variety of places you meet parents at. I already know from like what we've talked about. There are a lot of parents who want to make it all about their child and they don't recognize the role that they play. Mm -hmm. That's an education process you have to walk them through. One is I do have a lot of those moments where people are in my office and also when I'm out giving talks, like I'll say a few things and I really do look at the faces of the people in the audience when I'm in front of an audience and I'll say something and I just see their face drop. Or there's a lot of elbowing of the person next to them. Like, see, I told you you weren't supposed to be saying that. So there's a lot of those moments of recognition. And I try and make it very normal. And I try and use humor. And I try and deliver the message in a way that says, of course, we've got to think about this differently. And it's hard to do that. I also have moments in my office where people will come in and they'll say, okay, so we've been really working hard on this. And we're really trying to help our child deal with the anxiety. And we've been doing this and this and this and this. And then I sort of take a breath and I say, take a moment because I'm about to tell you in as gentle a way as possible that we have to do most everything differently. That's how I say it. And I do try and offer it in a way that says like your best intentions, I get what you're trying to do, but you're missing it. And I totally acknowledge that. And it is interesting to me. If somebody comes in and says they've read the book or they've listened to the podcast, I've listened to you talk five times, and this is what we're doing. And it is interesting to me that then they describe what they're doing as the exact opposite of what I said in the book and what I say in the podcast and what I said in the five times they heard me talk. I'm not saying that, oh, these people are bad listeners or they're not listening to what I'm saying. But what it does show me is that 
it is sometimes really hard to completely shift out of your paradigm and to be able to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know I need to do that and then continue to do the very same things that are supported by a lot of the other forces that surround us. We have a great listener question example that I'm going to read to you because it speaks to what you're talking about. Okay. My 13-year-old was recently diagnosed with anxiety. She has low self-esteem and little confidence. She recently started counseling, and I'm reflecting on our family patterns and dynamics to figure out how we contribute to this and how we can help her. She's the youngest of three. We've always been busy with sports and activities. The pandemic has definitely slowed us down as a family in a welcome way. My husband is home now instead of traveling 100%, and since the children started school in kindergarten, I've always told them their job is to do well in school. I expected them to try hard and get A's unless they don't understand something, in which case we will get them help or help them ourselves. I guess my question is, how do you create a culture that emphasizes work hard, try hard, do your best, give it your all without putting too much pressure on your kids to be perfect and stress them out too much? I've listened to your recent episodes on school and anxiety and perfectionism. We both have master's degrees. My husband works very hard, long hours. My job is a little more flexible. Our house is clean, but not perfect. We've got three dogs. I don't think the way we live puts pressure on them, but maybe the things I've said did. All three children excel in school and do well in their sports, but I want to send a better message, and I'm hoping you can help me with this if it isn't too late. Oh, okay. There's a lot to unpack here, and I totally get why this question grabbed you. It sort of goes to what I was just talking about is that you've got somebody who clearly is saying, all right, am I doing this right? How do I create this culture that doesn't put so much pressure? And what can I shift and what can I change? I think one of the things that pandemic has done for people is if you're lucky enough to be in a position where it sort of stopped you in a good way. And you can't say, I really want my kids to not feel pressure but I also have given them the message that they're supposed to get A's unless they don't understand something, that you do your best, give it your all, work hard, we want you to get A's. You can't say to a child, these are the expectations and they're all about doing your best. And I've talked a lot about that phrase, right? As long as you do your best, as long as you get A's, if you don't get A's, we will find somebody to help you get A's. All of that is a recipe for stress and anxiety. Why? Because the expectations are clear. And I think that one of the really important things for parents to understand is that you can have in your heart and be absolutely genuine about this. You can say, I don't want to create anxiety in my kids, but I also want them to do their best, get A's, succeed in school, play sports. You can't have it both ways. That's the place where people get stuck. I was talking to a school the other day. I, <laughs> uh, I'm sure after the call, they were like, oh, God. But I was talking to them and I was saying, you can't keep telling the students and you can't keep offering to the parents this idea that it really is all about learning and that it's not about achievement and that we really are making room for your child to fail and we're making room for your child to learn and grow and make mistakes. And also, we are going to reward the kids who have the highest grade point average, and we're going to reward the kids that have perfect SATs, and we're going to reward the kids who got into the best schools by putting up the acceptance letters 
in the front hall. So it's the first thing that you see when you walk into the school. I think that parents are saying, gosh, my kid is so anxious. I want them to not be anxious. And I also still want them to be the best. It just doesn't work that way. You talk about the trapeze a lot. Mm -hmm how parents, you're trying to lure them to another way of parenting, another way of thinking, especially around achievement, for example. Mm -hmm. And they're a fear of letting go to grab the new trapeze. Yeah. I talk to a lot of people when they're caught in this idea of how do I do this differently? And when I notice that they're not doing it differently, right? So that's an interesting thing is people say, I want to change. And then you say, okay, so this is what change involves. This is what you have to do. This is what you have to say and do differently. And they're sort of like, oh, it's that? I have to do that? And it is letting go of that trapeze, right? They're hanging onto their trapeze. And it's a powerful trapeze, as we've talked about so many times. It's a cultural trapeze. It's a family trapeze. It's what makes you feel like you're doing a good job as your parent, as a parent, because you're looking at your kid's success as a reflection of your ability to get it done. You need to let go of that trapeze and grab the other one. And even though rationally you can say, yeah, that would be better for my child, the fear comes up. How do I let go of what is often a generational and powerful message that kids need to work hard and do their best? There's a very big difference between saying you need to work hard and you need to do your best. I see those statements put together a lot. But working hard doesn't mean perfection. So let's think of some examples of that. I have one, actually. This happened in the house this week. Ultimately, what we're sort of talking about is the achievement culture episode. It's the podcast I keep thinking about as a parent myself. It's really powerful to start changing our thought process about this. So I have two thoughts about this. One is, I think that a lot of us grew up in a more traditional way of thinking around academics and grades that if you aspire to get these good grades, then the byproducts would actually be then the ability to learn how to work hard and time management mm -hmm. and all of those things. I think that's the traditional approach. We have to flip it upside down and say, if you give a child all of these basic skills of independent thought, critical thinking, decision making, learning how to ask for help, learning how to make all of these good choices, mm -hmm. good grades become the result of that. That's right. And so this week, my son had a book presentation, and he's in fourth grade. So he's not in high school yet, but he had a book presentation, and he mentioned that he had the date. And so we knew that he had to speak in front of the class, and that was coming up. But then it happened this past week, and it just happened. There was no conversation about it. We didn't even realize. And then all of a sudden, because he's still doing virtual learning, I hear in the next room, he's giving his book talk. And I said to him afterwards, I said, hey, you just gave your book talk. And he was like, yeah. And I said, well, how do you feel about it? He was like, uh, I don't know. I think it might have been a little too short. And I was like, I'm sure it was great, but it's awesome that you just did it. Yeah. It wasn't something you were nervous about. You did it. The way you handled it on your own, that's just as important, right? And so that was the message to him. Picture the thing that you've always wanted to learn. And now picture that you're learning it from the person who's literally the best in the world at it. 
It's fantastic. And that's what you get with Masterclass. I recently listened to Matthew Walker's talk on sleep and the importance of consistency with sleep. I loved Bobby Brown's Masterclass, gave me all these tips about putting on makeup because, you know, I'm in front of a camera sometimes and I want to look good. And Bobby was such a big help. So this year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Like I actually put on makeup the way that Bobby Brown taught me how to put on makeup. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Masterclass offers over 180 instructors. So whether you want to master negotiation with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe you want to learn how to just make your makeup look better with Bobby Brown or sleep better with Matthew Walker, with Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. I loved it. There are over 200 classes to pick from. New classes are added every single month, like a class that talks about your gut health. So many interesting things to learn. So every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's absolutely no risk. Right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash Fluster. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash fluster. Masterclass.com slash fluster. Robin and I travel a lot. And part of traveling is that you learn that you have to compromise, right? So maybe you're not going to get the best seat on the plane. Well, you know where you shouldn't compromise? You shouldn't compromise with your health care. When it comes to your health, There's no compromising, everybody. Don't go back to that one doctor who didn't really pay attention to you, who rushed you through your appointments. Check out ZocDoc. This is the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, insurance. So literally no compromises here. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be on hold with a receptionist. These doctors all have verified reviews from real patients. So the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. I have two young adult sons. They are always needing something, right? We've had broken elbows. We've had tonsils. We've had this. We've had that. If I were a young person, if I were a parent trying to help my young person find a doctor, this is what I would use. So Go to ZocDoc.com slash Fluster and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Fluster. ZocDoc.com slash Fluster. Well, and think of how that could have gone. He could have come to you and said, I'm going to do a book talk. And then you could have jumped in. Right. And said, I want you to practice it in front of me. And how long is it going to be? And let's come up with the outline. And are you nervous about it? And all of that messaging says to him, the expectations of this book talk is that I need to hit it out of the park. 
because there's been a lot of preparation. There's been a lot of talk. We bump up those expectations. And so I think that brings up an important point. One of the things this mom said in this question was, if they don't get A's, then we will help them or we will get the help they need. So that basically says, if you can't get an A, then we need to swoop in as the adults and make sure that happens. Maybe he didn't like get great marks on that book talk. Yeah. But that to me isn't what matters. What matters is his autonomy for it and his ability to do that work because that's such a more important skill in the long term. Yeah. Well, also, he's in fourth grade giving a book talk, right? It's like not going to show up on his transcript. People treat it that way. Don't even get me started on science fairs. I'm so, right? Like, that's what I mean. It's it's in the water. It's in the air that we breathe. Yeah. Everyone wants to egoically attach their Mm -hmm. kids' performances. It's so much based on fear. So then if we say to this mom, well, would you do instead or what you should say instead? Because she's really saying like, how else can I do this? Is that if your child doesn't get an A, either say nothing because this is this child is 13, kids are older, say nothing. Or if the child comes to you and says, I didn't get an A on that test. And you say, okay, so did you want to get an A? If you want to get an A, what do you think you could have done differently? Or what did you learn from the test? There's all these ways of talking about it and how you prepare for something. The way to think about it is that think of the things that you do in your life Nobody is going around grading you on them all the time. So I'm going to make some spaghetti and meatballs, and I want to make good spaghetti and meatballs that people would enjoy. If somebody is standing there next to me saying, "Um, okay, so our expectation is that you get an A on these spaghetti and meatballs, and if you serve the spaghetti and meatballs and you haven't done your best, then we're going to hire somebody the next time you make spaghetti and meatballs to make sure that you do make the spaghetti and meatballs perfectly. As I'm making the spaghetti and meatballs, there's no learning, there's no enjoyment, there's no creativity. I'm totally focused on making sure that I get the outcome that other people expect. Everything is not a competition. Everything is not a contest. Your little guy giving his book talk was a way for him to learn how to read, enjoy a book, communicate, pick out the salient things that he wanted to talk about, stand in front of his classmates, show his personality. It's not a competition. And I think that when we look at these kids that are getting diagnosed with anxiety, right, or that in feeling stressed, feeling anxiety, it really is how have we taken so many things and made them a competition? These kids excel in their sport. Maybe they just enjoy their sport. Maybe they just play their sport. It's about taking away that language that says that everything is about the outcome that you get and that we're going to grade it, we're going to monitor it, we're going to put a number on it. That's the thing that we really need to move away from. And that's the thing, as you said, Robin, that's what's in the water for sure, that everything is outcome-based. Here's an honest question for you. Okay. You and I grew up in the really extreme academic culture Mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because I'm embarrassed to say, I remember thinking like, I wish I still got grades. Mm. So that when I was like starting to work and do things, there was that validation I was seeking because it was so ingrained in me Mm -hmm. that that mattered. And that was a way to assess my success. Yeah, I probably don't remember thinking I wish I still got grades, but it definitely set up a pattern of looking for approval and looking for some external way to measure your success. Right. 
It's that needing external validation and what is your worth? How are you doing compared to everybody else? Where I was headed is that as parents, we have to sort of accept where we're at in our own ability Mm -hmm. for external validation, that egoic parenting. And to say that it's completely easy and you never do it is sort of a lie. My husband and I consciously know we don't want to do it. So we check each other. We check ourselves because it's it's an ongoing thing. We have to think about it all the time. All the time. And I will tell you, because my kids are older than yours, it just continues, but in different ways. It just continues in what developmental stage they're at in terms of how are we measuring our own success as parents? And you really have to pay attention to it. You know, where do you go through the college admissions process? Where do you go through that whole thing? The college admissions process is this audition in which we evaluate kids and people pick and choose. It's like being picked for the kickball team. It's so, so detrimental in so many ways. You did go through the college admissions process with your two boys. Yeah. What advice do you have for us to do it from a place that is healthier? Tell us what that looks like. So a few things. I can tell you as a parent, and I can also tell you as a clinician that the scores that your kids get and the grades that they get and the acceptances they get and the rejections that they get will become absolutely meaningless if your child goes off to college and isn't able to manage on their own. If you have a child at school that is crashing and burning because of social issues, because they don't have the ability to ask for help, because the academics get overwhelming, all of the work that you put in to make sure that your child's application was exactly as it should be, and you got this coach to help you pick the list, and you got an SAT coach to make sure that the grades were good, you send that kid off to the college of their choice, and when they start struggling emotionally, and you start getting those texts, and you start getting those phone calls, all that work that you did will be absolutely meaningless because your child doesn't know how to take care of him or herself when she's away from you. That's what you want to focus on. We get caught up in this whole process. There's all these boxes we have to check. There are these things that we have to do, these prep courses that we have to take. What you want your child to be able to do is to separate from you and find a place for them where they will maybe be happy and also maybe they'll go and it won't be the fit because that's what happened to one of my kids, went off and it wasn't the fit. And then he was able to say, I think I'm going to transfer. Teaching your kids the bigger skills of how do you ask for help? How do you manage new relationships? How do you develop friendships? How do you make sure that your expectations are in keeping with what's realistic? I think that is so important. And truly, I can't tell you with my own kids, with my own two boys, and with all the people that I work with, when they go away and they're struggling, all of that money and time and effort that you put in to this college admissions process will mean nothing. It will mean nothing because your child doesn't know how to do what they need to do when they get there and doesn't know how to adjust and doesn't know how to talk about it. That's what you want to focus on. I can't emphasize that enough. I really appreciate that answer. I think that that is super powerful and such an important thing for us to think about. When I think of that listener's question, it was written by a mom who could have represented so many listeners, so many parents. 
of trying to understand this balance. So why don't you give us some final shifting advice for parents who have kids who are starting this academic stage from like 13 and up? And then also, I'd love for you to talk about the parents whose kids are younger still. Mm -hmm. What seeds they can be planting and roots they should be establishing to make this transition a, a lot easier. So for the kids that are sort of starting this academic thing, and, and it starts earlier and earlier these days, but you know we start hearing about it in middle school, certainly into high school. I think it's really fine for this mom to say to this 13-year-old, because she's the youngest of three. So let's remember that she's watched her older siblings go through this. She's got parents that work really hard. She's got a dad who works really long hours, travels a ton. So it really is okay for parents to say as kids start high school, you know, we have to work hard not to get sucked in to this whole culture that demands of you and demands of us that you be perfect, that you achieve. And you can say to your kids, I don't know that I've done it right so far. I think that probably I've modeled some things and said things that now if I could do it over again, I would shift, but I'm going to start now. And here's the message I want you to have. There are really important skills that you need to learn, that we need to learn as a family, and they include you doing things independently. This is not my language. I took this from somebody else. There's a great book on raising a teenager, but a parent can say, I'm really going to work hard to shift from a management role to a consultant role. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to be gone, but I'm going to really focus on letting you develop the skills you need and to give you more room, to give you more autonomy. I am not going to say to you anymore, as long as you've done your best. I'm going to talk to you about what you want, what you feel like you need to develop, and I'm going to give you the room to figure this out because as you move forward into adulthood, these are the skills that you need. And so you can really say, like, I'm going to really work on this and I'm not going to do it perfectly, but I'm going to make a shift into another lane. You can have that direct conversation. And then you really need to pay attention, parents, about doing things like looking at grade portals and talking about grades and certainly rewarding kids for getting A's and saying things like, we just want you to do your best. You have to pay attention to those behaviors. This is the trapeze that I'm asking you to let go of. And I know that a lot of you might be bristling, like, I'm not giving up looking at the, my kids need me to look at those grades. Well, that's a problem. You got a little fourth grader who's given a talk and he's doing it on his own. That's a wonderful little thought to keep in mind, a little story to keep in mind. You know, when you're listening to a song on the radio and you just have this feeling that the song was written about you or that it was someone that you love trying to say something to you, well, now imagine the power to gift that same incredible feeling to someone you love with an original song that actually is about them and about your relationship and that Songfinch writes just for you. Songfinch lets you create an original radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people that you love. It's completely unique. It's personal and it lasts forever. 
I had the pleasure of creating a family song with Songfinch about our summer celebrations that we have every year. I knew it was going to make everybody cry, and it certainly did. I got to be honest, I was even crying, giving all of the information and helping personalize my song with the writer that I chose. He absolutely delivered a beautiful acoustic song that captured exactly what I was looking for, and it was so fun to share with the family. So whether your song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, a wedding or an anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care, start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. Don't waste another dollar on more stuff. It only takes four to seven days, but that song will last forever. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free so you and the lucky person or people can listen to it anywhere, anytime. So go to songfinch.com fluster and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, a $50 value. Again, the URL is songfinch.com Fluster. Don't forget to share your song with us too in our Facebook group, songfinch.com slash fluster. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. If you've got younger kids and so you haven't, they haven't been steeped in this culture of as long as you do your best, think about it. Talk to other parents that you trust. Talk to your partner, whoever you're parenting with. And say, what are the really important skills that we want to develop in our kids? Write them down. Put them on a piece of paper somewhere that you look at them, that when you open your underwear drawer, there's a list of skills that says, I want to teach my child how to blank. And think about that. And it's not about get great grades. It's about planning, or it's about picking things that they enjoy doing, or it's about knowing the balance between hard work and also having fun. Help your kids by you looking at the skills, the broader skills that you want them to have when they leave the house. One of the questions that I ask parents when they're dealing with kids who are having difficulty in school or they're trying to come up with a plan, 504 plan or whatever, I say, if third grade were successful, or if fourth grade were successful, what does a successful year mean for your child socially and emotionally and maybe academically? But what do you want your child to learn when they're in third grade or fourth grade or fifth grade? And think big and think human interaction and think emotional wellness and think emotional management. Pay attention to that stuff now. Stay as much out of this achievement language as you can. Because everybody, it's not working. It's not working.
I'm telling you, it's not working. Yeah, that's my advice. Is it working? It's not working. It's not working. It's working if you're in the anxiety biz, because I'm working. Right. It's not working for our kids. It's not working for our families. I think it's so important, Robin, that you said that the question that this mom asked could have been asked by so many parents who are struggling with the same thing. It's a conscious decision that you make to pull back from this. And I get it. It's hard. It's really hard. We have to own the parenting culture that we're all trying to raise our children in and where it has real limits and where we need to put a lot of energy into consciously paving our own way because the achievement culture is huge. But also it's this dichotomy of the achievement culture is we just want you to do your best and we expect them to be A's. And then on the other side, but we just want you to be happy. Right. These are like all the shorthand things that I grew up around. Mm -hmm. We have to really unpack all of those and think about what they really mean. If you want someone to be happy, which is also, I think, a really bogus term. I don't like that. (laughs) Being happy, this idea of being happy is such a modern cultural paradigm, isn't it? Like that you're supposed to be happy. If you talk to Buddhists, they're like, no, life is about suffering. What is this happiness (laughs) thing they're talking about? What are you talking about? Be happy. Yeah. When your brother and I were new parents and we were having this early conversation and you're like, what kind of parents are we going to be? And you have those like really naive conversations. But we did talk (laughs) about one thing of like, what do we think our goal is as we raise our daughter? Yeah. What is the true goal? And it definitely wasn't about getting into Harvard. Yeah. I think our goal that we decided on was we wanted her to feel very worthy of love and very capable of showing love. Mm, That's a nice goal. That's the goal. Yeah. And I think that people underestimate the power of these building blocks skills, all the ways we learn to connect with people, all the ways we learn to relegate our Mm -hmm. own emotion, all the ways that we can overcome uncomfortable things. Mm -hmm. All of these things make a successful adult. Yeah. And we just don't have the language for that, even though we all know it to be true. Yeah. Being the mother of boys, it was interesting. I listened to the podcast of Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama talking about their fathers and talking about male messaging. And, you know, and you're just like, oh boy. And it's pretty interesting because this idea of how do we raise these men? How do we raise boys? We're going to have to do an episode on that, actually. We're going to have to do an episode on anxious boys, Robin. Okay. Because I think that's a really interesting thing. I used to say when people say, what do you want as a parent? Truly, I used to say, I want to raise kind, sweet, caring boys. Yeah. That was my goal. It's funny, we've made it so complicated. And sometimes when we just pull it back and really look in a very simple, but a very important way, are we raising our kids to be kind, to be empathic, to be able to give and receive love, to be able to connect with other human beings? Pretty awesome. If you create human beings that are capable of doing that, you're doing a great job. We've just got all this other stuff that gets in there and messes it up. So it's a process. And uh, the last thing I'd say about this is that this mom says that her 13-year-old was diagnosed with anxiety and that she started counseling. I really hope, let me say this again, I really, really hope that it's family-oriented. I really hope that it's a systems approach. I really hope that you're not dropping your 13-year-old girl off at therapy and she's going to an office and talking to somebody and that you're not involved. Because this question that you have so eloquently written is the exact reason why parents need to be very much involved in the anxiety treatment of their kids. 
here's your little message to take with you, everybody. Having a happy life doesn't mean that you have happiness all the time, but it means that you seek out moments of joy and moments of connection. Find a way. It's getting sunny out. It's warm. It's beautiful. It's spring. Summer's coming. Joy, joy, joy. Play, play, play. It's not about getting it done all the time. Play. Enjoy. Love your kids. Don't take it so darn seriously. It's not a competition. Be joyful with your kids. Lynn, I'm so excited that we're finally able to do this again. But this podcast actually came about because when COVID prevented us to do our in-person parenting retreats, then we decided to make this podcast. And I also knew it would be so amazing to have you walk through this country who was dealing with a little anxiety last spring mm. and, and the lingering effects of that. We're all still dealing with it. But I'm mm -hmm. so excited that we are having our fall in-person parenting retreat in October and the weekend is October 22nd and more details soon. But it's going to be amazing. The last one that we had in 2019's fall was so much fun. And if you would like to join us, be sure to follow our newsletter on our website or join our Facebook group so that you get all the information that will be coming out in the next few weeks. Yeah. And can I do one little quick plug too? Sure. I'm doing a clinical training because I know a lot of parents listen to this, but I know that there are a lot of my fellow clinicians listening too. June 4th, live, it's going to be virtual, but an advanced clinical training, treating anxious families. And you can check that out at my website, lynnlyons.com, all the information. June 4th, full day, good stuff. So join the Facebook group so that you can ask Lynn your question on an upcoming episode. And thanks for joining us for another episode of Flusterclux. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.